Welcome to the Spirit Truth Worship Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Schaefer, and this is a podcast where we talk about leading your church and leading your team in biblically formed worship in spirit and truth. We talk about the worship culture and leadership and music and all of the different things that go into leading worship. Yeah. All right, Jimmy. Uh, we're, we're back on the podcast, kind of a, a last minute. We've thrown together uh, a podcast recording time this weekend to respond to and to discuss another podcast that dropped. Uh, I think in real time, it dropped like yesterday or the day before. Uh, but it's from the for the church podcast with Jared C. Wilson, which I don't, does everybody call him Jared Wilson or Jared C. Wilson? I listen to the happy rant podcast and they only refer to him as Jared C. Wilson or, uh, Ronald J. Martin's best friend. And so I, I don't know. Uh, but Jared Wilson and Ross Ferguson dropped an episode <clears throat> called worship leader pet peeves. And I thought as a worship leader, I love the for the church podcast. I love Jared Wilson. I thought, man, I can't wait to, maybe they brought a worship leader on and they were going to interview a worship leader and talk about some of these things. No. But in fact, that wasn't what was happening. <laughs> it was just two guys who, who, uh, who are preachers, uh, both both Ross and Jared, uh, and basically they just uh, talked about their pet peeves about worship leaders, not even worship, but like specifically worship leaders. And I uh, I heard it, and I was kind of taken back a little bit. I sent it to you, and, and we may or may not have similar or differing thoughts, but we just wanted to talk about it, uh, kind of dive right in. You've calmed down, right? I think, I've I calmed think you, down. Okay. I was a little fiery when it when when I first heard it. I was. And really, I think it was the opening, and so we'll we'll just get right into this. Uh, we're not going to play the clips, but we we have it listed out. We're going to read off some of the things that were said and some of the and talk through kind of what we agree with. Uh, maybe respond to some of these things because a lot of what they had to say was actually really good. But I yeah. think it was the way that they started immediately out of the out of the gate. They say we're going to talk about worship leader pet peeves, and he said not pet peeves that worship leaders have, but our pet peeves about worship leaders. And they basically just started talking about all the things about worship leaders they don't like. Everything uh, and even it, they hate. Yes, it. it almost sounded like they were making fun of worship leaders. So they kind of lost me right at the beginning. And then even uh, I think it was Ross that said, you know, in talking about his list, he's like, "I've got more negatives than positives." And so the first thing I want to address is if they want to see a positive change in worship leaders, which I think they do, we all do. That's what we both have YouTube channels and we do this podcast because we desire to see worship leaders be more thoughtful about how they lead uh, for them to be more biblical in their approach, uh, both to service planning and songs and leading their teams and leading their churches. Uh, so we desire the same thing, but man, they lost me. Oh, I almost had a hard time listening to the rest of it uh, because they just lost me right out of the gate. And so I want to get your, just when you were listening to it, what was your initial thought? Like you're just a few minutes into the podcast. What were you thinking? Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're two different personalities and, and I, I am more, I feel, I don't know. We've never met each other in person, but I get this, you know, over the You've got screen. Me pegged. You've got me pegged, right? I'm kind of fiery. You're a little more fiery, probably have stronger opinions right out the gate than I do. I take time <laughs> to process. I tend to give people the benefit of the doubt. You're wise. You're I'm, full I, of the Holy Spirit wisdom. You're, you're old. You're also, you're a few older years older than me. Maybe like, I don't know 19. how many years older, but I'm 30. No, you're, 
You're 30. So you're 10, you're 10 years older than me. So 10 years more wise. How yeah. long have you been following Jesus? This would be interesting too. How long have you been following Jesus? Say, Jared, um, <laughs> following Jesus. Yeah, no, I was born a Christian. That's false. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but I did, I was raised in a Christian home. So I've been okay. around and I was one of the ones that, you know, like I got baptized twice because, you know, I got baptized when I was like six, maybe. Okay. And then at 12, I really understood that I was a sinner. So from very young, um, got baptized okay. again. And then since there, it's been a journey of like really understanding the gospel for myself, which is difficult. And I, I, I this is not even the topic of the show, but having kids that are yep. growing up in a ministry home, it's, it can be difficult transferring the faith. It's like, okay, you're born of this, but it's not yours until you, until you take hold of it, you mm-hmm. know? So anyways, that's, yeah. another, that's another topic, another podcast. Yeah. Well, Long- but maybe kind of speaks into some of the wisdom as you've, you've walked with Jesus. So I've only been a follower of Jesus for eight years, uh, if you didn't know that. And so I got saved when I was 20 in college, became a worship leader overnight. We talk about this a lot because I, I was a, a new believer, but I could play guitar and I had a heartbeat. And therefore, I was a worship leader. And that's just the way it goes in a lot of churches. Uh, and we desire to see that change. But I think, you know, so I'm still young in my, in my walk with Jesus. I'm still, uh, yeah, growing in those things. But so you got more wisdom than I do. A little bit more, you're you know slower to anger, slower to speak, quicker to listen. Uh, Some by of that's God's grace. personality, because I'm also like, you know, peacemaker type to a fault sometimes. Mm. You know, that, this is who I am. Just so people can know where my comments are coming from. It's not just Holy Spirit wisdom. I do have the Holy Spirit in me. I am a believer. <clears throat> yes, that is true. Come on, but uh, come on, but you do. I hear a lot All of right. wisdom. Yeah, let's get into it. So you were you maybe didn't hear it with quite as much like pushback as I did, uh, which is great. And so I want to get in. So I, one, I think they could have maybe started a little differently, maybe, maybe in a way that would invite, especially younger worship leaders to really engage and listen. But it did come across a little bit like they were making fun of. They jumped right in with this idea of like worship leaders who talk too much Mm. and like are preaching many sermons. And I think this was one of the ones that kind of took me back because I feel like in, in the circles that we run, especially the more theologically doctrine driven churches, we actually are desiring worship leaders to be more than song leaders who do actually shepherd. So I was taken back a little bit that they were kind of making fun of the idea of, he even said, he's like, it's always really well thought out. And he's like, this is all the reasons we're going to sing the song. And he said, well, you've taken my attention off Jesus and put it onto you. And I just thought, ouch, man, like that's a pretty like pointed critique of worship leaders to say that they're actually like basically like trying to take people's attention off of Jesus. And I don't know that he was saying they were doing that intentionally, but <clears throat> my thought was, man, what's the balance? Cause they went on to say later, Hey, if you're going to talk, this was also on the guy. They said, if you're going to talk, read a scripture, which I 100% agree with yeah. something we say a lot at our church is that my words might return void but God's word never returns void. So don't just get up and give your opinions or give your thoughts, open God's word and read it. But then they also said, or you can give a brief history of a hymn. I just thought, what? Like, okay, you're starting to show your cards a little bit that this is not just tell me how you feel about it. It's the comment I heard. Like you can share some history, but I don't want to hear how you feel about the song. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So So what, what, give me your thoughts on that. Okay, so my first pushback. So I, I think this this comment I totally agree with, but is not a worship leader only thing because I've heard many pastors who I feel like have more time to take the focus off the gospel. You know what I'm saying? It may not be them, but like mm. there are plenty of pastors out there taking 45 minutes 
and having five minute gospel presentation or wow. you know what I'm saying? Like there's a lot in some sermons that could be cut down a lot of fluff yeah. um, that, I, that I've heard. I'm not saying my pastor or your pastor, or even th- these people were yeah. talking about. Yeah. Not, not our pastor, no, not our pastor, but in generality, yeah. since this is what we received, um, yeah. this is not a worship leader only comment. This is a anyone on stage comment. So the fact that it applies yeah. to worship leaders too, but I feel like the ratio is like, there's a lot more talking done by the pastor the person who's preaching than there is the worship leader. Having yeah. said that, having said that, there is nothing worse than, I mean, especially we talked about this in a recent podcast that may be coming out in the future or the past, depending on when this comes out, about how short our attention spans are becoming. So we've just listened to a a long exposition of the word, and now we're ready to engage, and we're we're primed to do that. We're primed to respond to the word, but the worship leader won't stop talking. So I feel it. Yeah. I feel it, too. Like, I, yeah. I heard Somebody say, this is not the first time I've, I read a blog by one of my old pastors, J.D. Greer, who wrote a, a, uh, worship leader, pet peeve and pastor. Nice, pet peeve blog. nice so, flex though. My, yeah. my old pastor, J.D. Greer, my, which is a, oh, who, a humble did, brag. I don't know. Does he, is he anyways? Um, but he did. <laughs> and, uh, and some of these things were, were the same. And I actually learned that from him before he wrote the blog. Like I heard him say that yeah. meeting. He's like, I just preach. Don't get up there and preach another message, like lead people in the moment. And I was yeah. like, as as a worship leader who is still being formed, as I still am, that was that helped me a lot actually, and it came yep. from a place yeah, of grace good. and like teaching. And I was like, yes. that's awesome. there's not a lot of pressure on me to like follow up. In fact, I shouldn't do that. I should just lead them in the song, briefly pointed, impactful language, but don't make it. It doesn't need to take a long time. And I was like, yeah, even yeah. as me, someone who's sitting, I don't desire that either. Um, but the thing yeah, is, I, I, I agree. I shepherd the moment, and I think that's the yep. that's the main thing. Yeah. So I would say I a hundred percent agree, agree with that point. Uh, maybe with like one caveat. So one of the things that I, I coach worship leaders at our church is we're training them for, to lead in youth and college in different contexts is that right after the sermon is the worst time to give a shepherding moment. I, I think that that's when we need, we least need it. Your people don't need you to give a shepherding moment to help them engage. Cause they just had Yeah, 30, 40, 45, 50 minute shepherding moment that's preparing them to worship if the preacher did a good job. My caveat is if you and your pastor worked together and decided that you were going to do something in that moment that that you think together would be impactful, okay, go for that. Bring your pastor in on that too. I do believe that, that you can leave room for the Holy Spirit to in the moment maybe prompt a, a scripture or something of value. But apart from like you feeling pretty confident that the spirit is prompting you and you don't want to quench the spirit in something, man, mm-hmm. I think I, I, if you took a hundred Sundays in a row, 95 to 98 of those, I'm going to say, let's stand together and respond in worship. And that's the only thing that I say. And I say the, I mean, it's the exact same phrase. It's not even a variant of that. Every week I say, Hey church, let's stand together and respond to God's word in worship. It's just like, boom, right there. And then we respond to God's word in worship. And so I almost never, but young worship leaders. So I will say this young worship leaders have a tendency. I've noticed over the last eight years, whenever I put someone new up leading worship, consistently that's the place that they feel most compelled to talk. Mm. I don't know why, but right after the sermon is when most worship leaders seem to have like, Oh man, I've really got to help like shift there. And I don't think you need that. So this is one place I actually wholeheartedly agree with them. Uh, 
But at the same time, I look at churches like Austin Stone, which is how a lot of how I've learned how to do shepherding moments, and their shepherding moments are five minutes, sometimes longer. Yeah. They do, and and they but they almost always do it after the first song, before the second song, and so I think we try to plan usually like somewhere between two and four minutes for a worship leader shepherding moment every single week. We, we say that every time we're going to open the Bible, those shepherding moments are never just our thoughts. We're going to mm-hmm. connect it to the Bible as much as we can. We want to actually open the Bible and read it together. Sometimes that whole thing is just us reading scripture and then we go right back into singing. Yeah. But I do think there's room. Uh, I think worship leaders need to be thoughtful. So I, I don't think we should discourage worship leaders who are thoughtfully thinking about how to shepherd the room. What I would say is we need to encourage those worship leaders to think more biblically and not just give their opinions and their thoughts Mm -hmm. and their feelings, but actually use the Bible. But I don't want to discourage worship leaders who are thinking, who are being thoughtful in their approach. I want to say, man, like, yes and amen, keep doing it, but let's maybe quarter tweak that. Let's use more scripture. Let's try to draw our attention back to the gospel, not just your thoughts. Because what what we don't want is hearing the message feeling stirred and having feelings of and getting up there and, and um, trying to come up with your thoughts in the moment behind a microphone, that's when things can derail. Like if you didn't plan to say anything yep. there, you probably shouldn't. And I'm, I'm the same as you, like every single Sunday, all my planned speaking moments are in the on front loaded. Cause that's, that's where I feel the pressure of like, man, people just, just came to church. They fought with their family. They're, they're spilled yep. coffee on them. Yeah. They're not in the the mind frame. And our job is to like, Hey, let's yep. at the table. Let's, we're, you know, we're here to yes. do today. Absolutely. We're going to pray. We're going to hear God's word preach. We're going to respond. And like, that's the call. Then you have, you know, scripture and all that stuff after the message. I say, exactly. I mean, almost, I'm like, Hey, let's stand and respond to what we've just heard. Let's stand and respond to God's word. I'll say a variation yep. of that every single Sunday. And I don't say much more, yeah. but I feel like, I don't want to ruin something that is already taking place. So on that, on that, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yep. No, that's good. So, so maybe we'd say overall, we actually do agree. Maybe just quarter tweak. I, I disagree with the, just sharing the, you know, history of the hymn. Some right. of the history of the hymns are powerful, but they're only powerful because they're stories of what God did in people's lives. There's yeah. nothing power. Like, let me tell you the history of, uh, a mighty fortress is our God is not powerful. Uh, when you do the English translation, the history of a Unitarian who didn't believe in the Trinity translating into English and changing some of the lyrics, that's not powerful. So like you can't, I, don't, I just don't want to have this, like, you know, the yeah, yeah. history of the hymn. Cause if we gave the history of modern worship songs, I don't know that we would feel the same way about it. What's powerful is that there's a story of God's faithfulness, which, yeah. which could be equally true if it wasn't connected to the song. Just any story of God's faithfulness would be just as powerful and then a song that connects to that. So I, that part I, I wasn't totally here for, but all in all, I'd say we both pretty much agree. Don't overtalk. Uh, be more focused on scripture than your own thoughts. And remember that, man, like you want to help people sing, but you don't need to preach another sermon. Don't talk right after the sermon, all those things. Yeah. Okay. So they talked a little bit about this uh, kind of production mindset in churches. I actually totally agree with a lot of what they said here. And so uh, do you want to, you maybe take the lead on this, talk through some of what you heard and what you were thinking. Yeah. So I just had a conversation last night again with a friend of mine who's at my church and he's a newer staff member, but he's been around the church for a while. And, you know, we have the worship, the music worship team. Then we have a production team. So the word production itself, we'll have a, production meeting before and he since he's been to the church he's like man i just i cannot stand that word production production should have nothing to do with uh 
with the Sunday morning and, you know, tongue in cheek, we're, we're talking about it and, you know, we're, we're friends, but uh, I was like, well, it's the production like team. So, and it's the production yeah. team that, that's meeting. And so that's the reason, um, you know, so the, you yeah. know, we're talking semantics or whatever, but that, you know, words do come with baggage and you know, if it, if it's a problem, I mean, we're not changing it because it's the production team. People, people know, yeah. I think we've got that trust, so it's not a problem, but if, uh, if coming in. So, so anyways, I think this is what I heard in the podcast was to me, the typical pastor response that I feel like I hear often and it's like, okay, you know, at the end of the day, the things, this is what worship leaders need to hear. I need to hear this, whatever we do. And this is going to, as we bring up more points, whatever we do needs to point to Jesus, point to the gospel and aid in worship. So the moment that whatever it is starts detracting from that, we need to cut it. And that could be a pastor talking through an illustration. Like that's not just worship leaders. That's like, that's, that's, yeah, that's, wow, that's good. That could be the announcements taking too long. That could be the dimness or brightness of the lights as they talked about, Oh, it's just too dark. And you know, they even, they even laughed at themselves as like sounding like old, old fogey men, you know, complaining all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think one of the things that I heard that I was like, yes. And we both agree. I think on this, they said, don't just even the word like audience, like somebody in yep. the meeting, the production meeting came up and said, uh, um, are you going to come back from the green room or from the audience? And he was just like, just the word audience struck him wrong. And I was like, yeah, you know, once you're in this vein of kind of complaining, you, all, all you hear is complaints. But I was like, okay, I agree. I try not to say audience. Yeah. It's not an audience. Same. Audience infers that they're just watching and that's not what we want. Yep. Yeah. Consumeristic, just watching, not participating. And we, but yeah, so I try really hard to always use the term congregation in reference yeah. to the people in the room. I think too, even the thought of, are you going to be in the audience of the green room? Okay. We could, we can talk for a moment about worship leaders who go and hide in the green room and preachers that hide in the green room. I will say it is the most discouraging thing as a worship leader when I, you know, have, especially, uh, I gotta be careful with how I say this. I've been in situations where the pastors weren't in the room during worship mm -hmm. and they just waited until the songs ended and walked up. And I've been in way more situations where the worship ended or, and let me even clarify that because words matter, words create, create culture. The yeah. worship doesn't end. The music ended. Yeah. And, and the worship team walked off stage to a green room and didn't sit in the room for the teaching. And we have two services. I actually make my entire worship team and I don't make them because like, I don't like that language, but I, I invite and heavily enforce, like we, we make them, we all sit in the room for the first service. And then I give freedom to sit in the room, second service, but, but we don't have anybody sit in the, in the green room, uh, during the first service so mm -hmm. that we can all sit under the teaching so that when we respond in worship, we actually know what we're responding to. Yeah, yeah. And I personally sit in both services. So I, I don't ever sit in the green room mm -hmm. anymore. Uh, just a, a conviction. I just believe that, man, if we're going to really lead a room, we've got to be engaged in what, what God's teaching. And so, yeah, yeah. Mo I would say like, especially my college students that are on our team, they're the ones who are most likely to sit in both services in our Sunday yeah. services too. Like, so I'll walk off, we sit on the front row during the first service. And then if your spouse is there, sit with them. So I usually sit with my wife, second service, uh, and I'll sit on the front row first service. And I actually had a pastor just last week. We had a guest preacher come in from a missions organization who was preaching and he commented that we were the only worship team that he's seen not go backstage, but actually sit in the 
room. Yeah. Cause he travels and, and preaches all over for, you know, with yeah. the churches that they're partnering with for their organization. <clears throat> but he made a comment to our whole church that, man, you guys have a worship team that actually sits in the room and that's rare. Right. And so I do think this is actually an issue that needs to be addressed. I think, I think worship teams are missing out on the opportunity to, uh, really engage in what God's doing. Like you're actually missing out on some of what God's doing in your room. Uh, at least sit in the first, I'm, I'm just a big fan of sitting in the first. Now you may have a different view of that. So I don't want to judge people who maybe don't have the same view of, of all that as me, but that is one thing that I was kind of like, man, I, the green room for me is like between services or it's a good place. We do our prayer meetings back there. Yeah. But yeah, using them. I, I try to use that room as little as possible. So, yeah, you, you mentioned some of this in another recent podcast, and, and I'm still being formed as a worship leader. And, and since that conversation and some feelings I've had, we don't have a problem with this at my church. Uh, I assume, and in my language, that the band is going to sit in one of the services. So I usually just say, yeah. you know, this is for you uh, to come back and rest. You've been here all morning on the service that you're not attending, but you're going to attend one of them. Your family will be yeah. here at one of them. So that's the one you go attend. I do agree. Yeah. The first one is most optimal. It is for me as well, just because it's like, I want to hear what he's saying. That way, if I don't want to come up after and they have not heard the message and say something completely yeah. like, wow, you can tell they didn't even like, do they work together at all? <laughs> like you want it wow. to yeah. come together. Um, even if I'm not saying something, there might be, there might be a moment where I need to, to just, it might be something small, it might be just like a phrase, but I don't want to come in and say something completely different. And you can't really do that if you don't know how the message went. The other thing that is being yeah. on my, on, not on my nerves, it's, it's, it's my ministry. And I've been thinking more about it. It's like even the term green room, like, does that, does that now convey like this special place just for the band and do people have problems with it? I don't mm. think they do at our church, but like, if I do think that that would become a problem, I might even, I might be even like getting ahead of it and just stop calling it the green room and call it like the band room or wow. something. But one yeah. thing we do that I'm thinking about changing, honestly, is that this is one of those examples. Like if it starts distracting, then just cut it. But we've always left like all, everybody who's on stage leaves with their stuff. So if there's a music stand, which oh, wow. sometimes there is, and if there are mic or third mic, like a boom mic, I take my stuff off the stage every time we take it to the green room so that the, the stage is just not distracting. So people aren't over there looking at the mic. And like, if he walks to the side of the pulpit in the, the camera frame or whatever, like we don't want the, somebody on the far left or far right, like having a microphone stand. And this might just be per building, but for us, we've just want to make it clean. We just take it off stage, but that's like a very practical thing. And I'm wondering how it looks now for all of us. We've done this for ever since I've been there five years, we get done during the prayer. We walk off, we go out that door, but then nobody can visually see us walking to the congregation back in. Yeah. Mm, and so, wow. I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about changing that. Like it's been like, Make sure you go out that door. We're all going to go out that door. And it's been more of a, a practical thing to make sure everybody's organized and everybody goes in the same yeah. place. But that's one of the things that might be getting in the way of something. Yeah. You might have problems with it. I, no, that's I'm good. Thinking, but, but so I'm up. Yeah. It. We, we move our microphone stands back. So we, we have two tiers to our stage. Uh, cause our, we swap buildings with another church. We were growing, they were shrinking and they did a building swap. And so the stage was just huge. Yeah. So we built a platform that was lower and closer to the congregation just to get rid of some of the separation, uh, that we were experiencing. This was before I got there, but 
So what we do is we take our mic stands off of the bottom platform and we do move them back by like the drum set uh, so that there's nothing kind of like hitting sight lines. Yeah. But we, I do make us, I, we walk off in front of the congregation. We walk straight mm. down and sit in the front row. And I think some of it is just a helpful thought of like, yeah. I, it matters that our, our congregation actually sees us engaging in the word. And so, yeah, yeah I, I think that's good. I, I think that that's an issue, not just with, um, pastors, but especially with worship leaders. And so, yeah, I think, so the audience thing, let's call them congregations. I don't like the term audience. Totally yeah. agree with that. Um, production. I don't, I don't mind the word production, but when everything orients, they talked about this, like all the language and everything oriented around production. Mm-hmm. One thing I fight for is that all of our language and how we think and our philosophy about the Sunday service does not orient around production, but it orients around experiencing the presence of Jesus, mm. which is why when we talk about sitting in the room, it's like, it's so that we can actually know what God's doing among our people by the power of his Holy spirit. Yeah. So we do fight for, we still use like, um, like we have an air war meeting and we do like a production meeting where we walk through all the details, make sure like we try to eliminate distractions, but I, in, I think it matters because we've talked about this before. John Piper talks about undistracting excellence mm-hmm. to help point people to the glory of God. It's like, man, like, no, actually good transitions are a way to worship the Lord. Yeah. Uh, but we try really hard not to make everything orient around the production as much as orienting around what is God doing amongst us when we gather together. Yeah, so, yeah. all right, we talked about the, the green room. Volume. Okay. They talked volume and instrumentals. Those were two of the things that they brought up. What well, what were your thoughts on that? Okay. So that, that was one that like, I just had this conversation earlier in the week. I was doing this, like a little songwriting session with someone and they wrote in a, uh, an instrumental. And, uh, when I played it, I skipped that part on accident or whatever. I was just trying to get used to the song and, uh, He's like, oh, right there's the instrumental. And I was like, hey, just so you know, I was like, every time there's an instrumental, like in a song, like, oh, praise the name Hill song when we used to do their stuff. Yeah, uh, that real long. Instrument. I would I would just skip it because I felt the same way. I think that these pastors was like, what are the people supposed to be doing in the moment? Now, we can come up with things they should be doing, but do they know what they're supposed to be doing? Do they know they're supposed to be reflecting on God's mm. or what he's doing in the moment? They might just be like just hearing this really long instrumental and then like, that's most of it. People just don't want to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And they're like, what are we supposed to do? And yeah. If I do an instrumental and I do, uh, I make sure there's a scripture on the screen that gives them something to do. Well, that's great. During the instrumental. Yeah. I won't do an instrumental unless there's, unless there's a scripture on the screen. Cause why the instrumental? There may be a good reason, but in our context, I haven't found one. So, so that's me. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people, uh, especially in more charismatic churches use the instrumentals to give people space to sing their own songs yep. as in like sing a prayer, sing like, Hey, you know, sing your song to the Lord, yep. which a lot of people in our churches probably have no context for that. And so I, we actually often will, we did a, a little bit of a, a gap between the end of a song and kind of a, just a really simple, we were just singing the phrase, Holy, Holy, Holy yep. last Sunday. And we sang that phrase like, holy, 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 holy is the Lord. And we sang that like seven or eight times, that phrase. And in between us starting that and the end of the last song, we just put up the passage in Revelation Mm -hmm. says, and worthy is the lamb for by his blood, he's purchased people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and language. And it it tied in with the sermon uh, and created a really sweet moment. 
And so, yeah, I agree. Uh, we also try to model if there are instrumentals that we tell our front line to not disengage, but to actually do what we hope our people would do, which is to continue to praise God, mm-hmm. continue to engage, uh, to, to pray, to sing, maybe sing some like an ad lib yeah. prayer kind of moment of Thanksgiving. And so we, we try to model that. So our room stays engaged. I don't have any issues with instrumentals. I think they give us a moment to reflect on what we've been singing, kind of like a say law in the Psalms. Yeah. I think it's just a moment to pause and reflect. So I've got no issues with instrumentals we do need to teach our congregations maybe we need to teach the people doing the for the church uh, podcast a little bit about some uh, uh but you know we need to instruct our people yeah. we can't just expect them to know what to do in those moments especially in the context like my guess is the context that they're primarily leading in people would have no, no idea, idea what to do with that instrument and they would disengage. Context thing. If, if, if you don't yeah. feel like you need to say something and your people know immediately what to do like they're this is a time to reflect but I would say, like, even if they, like, we would probably be uncomfortable with that in, in our, just because I haven't cultivated that kind of culture. But um, yeah. if I'm going to, and I want to do that more, just a time to linger for a second, not have so many words going on. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just good. need to teach my people. I need to shepherd the moment, which I think was the main heading at the top. Like, yeah, I'm shepherd. The yeah. Moment. But don't talk too much. Don't talk too much. Gosh, dang <laughs> it. Keep your mouth shut, you song leader. <laughs> song leader. Until it's time to sing. Okay, let's keep rolling. Music being too loud. Okay, don't make your music too loud. I, I don't make it too loud. Most of the time, it's not too loud. People think it's too loud just because they don't like drums, or the or maybe it's mixed poorly and it's too harsh. Yeah. But if you're if you're actually playing your music too loud, bring it down. It. The voices are the main thing. We all agree with that. I lead I lead in a pretty like a very modern contemporary style. Lots of college students. We still fight to not have the music too loud, even though we have 400 college students in the room right. in our services. So I think, yeah, don't make your music too loud. The, the, if I want to push back on uh, the podcasters, uh, they, they were, I, I feel, I feel like they didn't represent the other side of like, they're like, I can't hear myself sing. And I get that. So I'm, I'm like a fan of like the wall of sound. Yeah. Like I love music. I love sound. Um, and then I also, we will talk about this in another podcast, but talk like I've also this year began just putting in acapella moments once a service because yep. I want to teach yep. and show and demonstrate that voices are the main thing. Having said that, we can get into that. But um, the uh, another thing, the reason I want it to be a balance and we don't just sing acapella is a lot of people aren't gifted with a good voice, or at least they don't think they are. And they, yeah, they actually want to pull back. They want, as soon as yeah. the music pulls back, they're like, Oh, I'm not singing. So some people, some people are more comfortable singing when they feel like they can sing loud. Cause they never get to, and they are not going to be like looked at weirdly. So there's, there's a yeah. little bit of tension there. So I kind of want to do both. I want to give somebody, I want there to be like this big celebratory loud music point where somebody can just sing, um, hallelujah off key and it be okay at the same time we're also yeah gonna totally the, agree. we're gonna pull the music back and and let everybody hear the voices so i think that there's definitely a balance i just don't know if the uh if jared and the other what was the other guy's name <laughs> ross <laughs> ferguson uh, i don't know that they sorry ross sorry about that uh, i don't know if they yep. um tease that out enough like for the people who yeah well and i'm man i'm a worship leader like i i've done vocal lessons i've been singing for a long time i sometimes preferred like i will sing louder when the music's loud like i i don't necessarily sing louder on acapella sections i get i get a little self-conscious sometimes that i'm going to be out of tune and so i've yeah so all that say i'm totally i'm with you on that okay then they talked about music that's too difficult to sing Mm. uh 
too complicated. And then they started talking about like, it just sounds like pop music instead of congregational songs. So then, okay. Once again, I think they showed their cards of, of just their stylistic preferences. Cause I, man, all the hymns, what were hymns when the hymns were written, they were just bar tunes. So I just think that was the pop music of the day. And so I, I don't, I don't totally agree with that. Um, as far as this being too difficult to sing, I'll say this. There are songs like Promises by Maverick City. That's just, it's a difficult song to sing, but our church sings it really loud. So sometimes it's not always hard and fast that it's complicated. It's really syncopated. It's got a big range, really low, really high, but it does not impact our church's ability to sing it and sing it really loud. Yeah. Two, I don't know that this accounts for churches of other styles. I think of like African American churches or gospel, like uh, churches that sing gospel music. I'm sorry. Their music is, it's got more chords, more syncopation, harder vocally and their people sing. So I think this is totally just a preference thing. I think in, in, in a lot of the churches we're leading in, maybe that love hymns and, you know, or, or playing that style or whatever, then yeah, maybe if it's too complicated, but man, some of the hymns are, are complicated and have like hard vocal ranges. So I just, this one for me, I was like, yeah, hit or miss on, on how much I was, I was willing to go there. So I don't know if you you just hit it. It's like, it's context. It is, it is. You got to shepherd the moment. You got to know your people. And so like congregations are going to be comfortable with different things. So there's no hard, fast rule here. And I think that's what, so like for me, um, so like there was, there was some people in my life that would like, like to do King's kaleidoscope versions of songs. And, um, yeah. Okay. Really hard. <laughs> yeah. Really hard. And, and I, I love their music. Like I love the guy's vocal and it's, it's different. Um, but I personally just can't stand doing those renditions like in a, in a, in a congregational, uh, like we're all just trying to sing and it's, it's yeah. all in this weird time signature and the chords are different and the melody is a little different. And it's like, unless you are going to commit to that particular song and that style and only do that once you're, so your people get comfortable with it, that's fine. You know, I'm not saying you can't do it, but it seemed like everybody where I was, was trying to do King's Kaleidoscope stuff. And I was like, this is so weird. Like, I can't, I don't, I can't hardly lead this song. How are people that don't listen to King's Kaleidoscope supposed to follow along to a very familiar hymn that has changed? And I'll have have one more. I used to love. And it's just it's just what you what you intake. So when Ascend the Hill came out with their hymn, hymns album, oh, I loved it. And they did mm-hmm. um, How Great Thou Art, very overly done in the drum rhythm. Like it's like it's it's like a puzzle trying to figure out the drum thing. I mean, I my drummer was awesome at the time. He's like on a drum line thing, and he's trying to figure it out. He's like, oh, this is so cool. But it's like every snare hits like on this up syncopated thing, and you you, you don't know if you don't know the song. It's like weird and i had a lady come up after church i was actually like interning at this campus and uh she came up i thought she's about to say something positive <laughs> she said uh hey who, uh, it's happened to me once who, too who sings um that version of how great thou art and i was like oh that's ascend the hills version she goes why can't you all sing it normally <laughs> and i was like oh yeah okay <laughs> got him i could have got, got offended immediately but i was like she's right like I, I did, I took an old song and changed it so much that it was unrecognizable to this congregation. That to me is a poor move. I mean, if you're gonna, if yeah. you're gonna change something, like you can t- teach your church, like, hey, here's a rendition of the song that we're gonna be learning, we're gonna be doing. Let's learn it together, and and you do that, that's fine. But yeah. just to like throw in these weird yeah. random things 
for what, like really step back and ask, why am I doing this? Is it to aid congregational singing? If it's not, it might be something you need to pull back on. Yeah. Well, in King's Glasgow at the time was the, they were doing church music at, you know, campus of Mars Hill. And that was kind of their thing. And it was super missional and they were getting like, it was aiding the mission of the church. Maybe it's not good for our churches to steal something out of, you know, the context of Seattle, uh, you know, and bring it into our context. And so I'm totally with you on that. They talked about that a little bit in the podcast, changing familiar songs in a way that throws people off. And I, I would say a couple things. One, I do tend to prefer doing hymns, more traditionally now i'll redo the arrangement different in terms of like we'll put guitar and drums and those things but i I like to keep the chords pretty close or or at least simple and then i like to do the melody i don't like to touch the melody too much if it's a really familiar like a come now fount but at the same time if you open up my hymnal downstairs on my piano Mm -hmm. there's two versions of come now fount with the same words and different Mm -hmm. melodies so even that i'm like dude we've like we're implementing these kind of legalistic practices that were not true for the church, even 50 yeah. years ago where there's two back-to-back versions that come that out with different melodies. And so I don't know, I'm not totally there on that. They made a comment about worship leaders doing this just to get royalties. And I actually thought that was kind of like, just not cool. Yeah. Also, John, John Piper rewrote the verses to, uh, great is thy faithfulness and add a whole thing. Like, did he do that to get royalties? No, he did it to serve the people at the gospel coalition conference that he was yeah. preaching and thought it'd be helpful. So that's I, we do. let's be more gracious with people's. Yeah. Let's be more gracious with people's motives is all, all I yeah. want to say. Okay. So then, uh, moving backgrounds and slides. Wait, Wait. They, okay. They said, uh, cause I have a story. So I just want to share it. They were, t- they even talked about okay. keeping the timing of an old hymn. And I remember being a guest yeah. worship leader at a, uh, a smaller church and it was like a revival type thing. Okay. And I did the song. Oh, what was it called? Uh, the one that goes, this is my story. This is my song. Um, and I, Bless the assurance. and I, I put it in like, instead of three, four, I made it more six, eight. So I just drug out the, the words and it was more of a response song. Um, and as soon as I started it and I'm strumming it in like six, eight, the congregation took it and ran with it. Like I could not, as soon as I said, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Ba-da-da-ba, and they just, they took off. And I was like, like, I wasn't leading them anymore. They were leading me. And I just, that was another learning thing. I was like, I just tried to change a song that they were super yeah. familiar with. I gave them no warning and they didn't even take the warning. They just, they left. They took it. They took it without me. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was wow. And then yeah. they mentioned the woe woes. Yeah. The woe woes. Like, whoa, did, whoa, you, whoa. Yeah, whoa, did you hear that? So like they even, they even mentioned a song that I'm leading tomorrow night at another church. I didn't pick out the song, but it's a, in Christ alone, but it's the one that goes, I never do that because I hate the woe woes, but tomorrow night I'm going to have to sing it because someone else picked it out for me. And they're like, why are we, what's woe? (laughs) Sometimes I'm like, I I get that. Like, why are we singing woe so much? It's weird. I don't know, man. It works for passion. So it should work for churches. I don't know. I, once again, I don't mind singing stuff like that. I know some churches who like, they actually say, man, those are the ones our church sings the best. I think it's just a context thing. I think you can, yeah, I think it's just a context yeah. thing. Now, on the song, Changing Songs, How Deep the Father's Love, I love the Austin yeah. Stone version that takes away the alternating time signature and makes it all 3-4. I actually think that's an example of 
it actually, I think is a better arrangement mm-hmm. and has been really like, I've led that now at three different churches and it's yeah. been great. And so I think sometimes, once again, I just don't think it's a hard and fast yeah. rule. That's all I'm going to say. We can move on. Okay. Uh, the moving background thing. Okay. We do not use moving backgrounds on our Sunday services at my current church. I have used moving backgrounds at every other church I've ever served at or been to. This is the first church I'd never even like really thought about it. Mm. Um, I don't know that it makes people sick and like throw up and pass out. I've just not experienced that serving at like my last church, 6,000 people, six campuses. Now it was five when I left that like never happened. So I, I'm not totally there. Also, if you've ever watched a movie, yeah, I'm, the movie has like sound and, and, and motion and stuff. I mean, and what so kind of- they talk about people with hearing aids, not being able to like, Oh, say that again. I guess it's the motions that you're picking out. Like, I think we do motion backgrounds. Um, but what is it like a 10 second loop and it's barely moving like real slow. Know, me, I'm like trying to figure out yeah. where's the loop. Oh, there it goes. You know, like trying to figure out so oh, now it's distraction from this. Sermon, but uh. yeah, gotcha. <laughs> nice. Yeah. We, we don't use any motion backgrounds right now, but this is, it's a funny thing too. Cause even at my church, there are people who have said that like backgrounds behind the music slides are really distracting. Mm. They've said, we think that those are distracting. We don't use them. But you know what? We do put up backgrounds behind the preaching slides. Well, that way they're, they're not moving yeah. ones, but we put backgrounds behind the preaching slides and no one thinks that's distracting, but behind the singing slides. And at some point, I just want to say like, that's a little hypocritical. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. If you use backgrounds behind your sermons, but you think backgrounds behind the singing slides are distracting, I think that you're just sharing your opinion. That's all. That's there all I have go. to say. Um, so yeah, playing behind a prayer, I've got no problem with it. They said maybe it's like trying to manipulate emotions a little bit. I think that it helps smooth out transitions and smooth transitions help eliminate distractions. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think you have to do it, but I think it's totally permissible. And I don't think that people need to second guess themselves. If they, if this is what their church does, I don't think they need to go, Oh man, are we doing yeah. something wrong? No, I think, it, I don't think you're doing anything wrong unless you're, unless you're trying to do something manipulative. Right. And if, if you're trying to do that, then stop. But I don't think that's it's what definitely a context thing. But I think that like, I had a conversation with someone that's on staff and he's like, he just shared me. He's like, I can't stand. This was our children's pastor, um, minister of next gen. But, uh, he was like, Oh man, I just can't stand it when there's like music while I'm still talking or, or praying. It just distracts me. And I was like, wow. That's like just personality wise. I am the complete opposite. Like I will look at the keyboard player. Yes. If I'm I ha- talking, there yep. better be something playing. Like I can't stand talking when there's like my voice, yeah. the only thing that's heard yes. over like, Oh my gosh, that distracts me more. So that's just a personality difference. I think um, depends on what you're yep. playing, but yep. I think there is a, 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 a good reason to add the music to that point because you're going from something that is, where you're a, you're not participating. I mean, you're participating in listening, but your body is not physically moving. And we are, mm. we are transitioning to the part where we are. So I think it's not manipulation, but music does have a, an effect on us. Right. And you can use music to yeah. manipulate. I've heard that said so much that it's like, okay, I do agree with that. And a lot of people do, I guess, but we can't disconnect we can't discount the fact that music is connected to our emotions and our affections. And now we are about to sing. And so it's almost like this, Hey, this is, we are now awakening 
decide that, Hey, we're about to respond. I don't know. I haven't done a lot of thinking about it, but I was like, I feel like there's, yeah, there's a good thing here and we should stop calling it manipulation when it's not like there's a version of manipulation playing, yes. keep playing music underneath a prayer. I don't feel like that's manipulation. If you do, I'm sorry. But there yep, are some, totally there agree. are some pastors where the music never stops. There's preaching under, you know, you, you think of like gospel churches, like, man, they'll, they'll add music and chords underneath like a good point here and there. And so it's definitely context, but, yeah. um, man, I think there's something about the transition yeah. from listening to participating and music, helping us get there. I, I don't know. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have any issue with it. I do think that there's a difference between manipulating people and using music to help them, uh, experience or feel something appropriate. So you can use music I, and maybe, I don't, I don't know that music is used that much to manipulate people. I think music helps us to feel appropriate about things. You think of a movie that you've watched and the music gets really suspenseful and it's so that you're prepared for a suspenseful mm -hmm. scene. It's setting the tone for the appropriate way to experience the content. And I think music does the same thing in church. And I think that's okay. That's why I love it when the band swells in and the drums come in on yeah. in Christ alone. When we sing them bursting forth in glorious day up from the grave, he rose again, like praise right. God, like, Musically, we should be setting the tone for the appropriate way to experience that content, which is celebratory. Yeah. So I don't think it's manipulation. I think it's helping people to feel appropriately and respond appropriately. Yeah. Um, okay. Last thing that I, I want to touch on. I think it just kind of was funny. They, they gave two different uh, opinions on uh, pet peeves of singers looking too mm -hmm. miserable and singers looking like they're having too good of a time. And I was just which like, okay, it? come on guys. Yeah. Danged if you do, danged yeah. if you don't, you can't win. It's like, you don't look happy enough. You look too happy. Both of you are right. like, I don't know. I thought it was kind of funny. I, I it's like, honestly, yeah. it's kind of funny. It's like, okay. I, and I know what they're talking about. Yeah. Like I've seen it, but we can't like, everyone's, everyone's different. different. I'm the guy who gets told I look too happy sometimes. And you know, it's like, okay, like you don't like that. I move around on stage and I don't like that. You don't dance before the Lord, like right. David, you know, it's, you know, we're just different yeah. and that's okay. So any, any last no, thoughts I, I, on I that? I agree. Like I can't stand people that look miserable when they're singing something about the resurrection. I, they made that point, but at the same time they mentioned like, mm. you know, like cheerleaders. And I feel that same thing. Like it's not our, it's not the worship leader's job to like manipulate, if you will, like get people to, physically respond like we what will you say we set the table we do everything we can but we're not like yeah i think i think a lot of worship leaders we don't control yeah, I think people. we're looking for something and when we don't see it we feel out of control and then that's when we can turn into that weird manipulation moment um or also people that are enjoying wow, themselves yeah, too much i'm going to tell you more of this off camera because i don't want to risk yeah come on <laughs> <laughs> i love it i like can't wait to hear the story <laughs> I said something in one of our other podcasts that'll be coming out that we had to cut. So I'm not going to do that to you. I, I might not okay, have well, cut I'm it. I'm still not going to, I'm not going to freak you out. But after <laughs> we stop recording, yeah, there's, there's just, you know, there's some, there's okay. some, um, physical gestures and stuff that sometimes it's just like, wow, it's just so distracting sometimes. And it's very contextual. Yeah. Gotcha. So this is not a hard, fast rule. That's yeah. why it's like my, my church, I feel sometimes can be distractingly, silent or distractingly not moving. Cause it's like, oh, these people are dead. Yeah. Now I'm not, I'm not ripping on my people. I, I think we've, we've grown so much, um, but I've seen it in places where it's like, it, it, it yeah. can go both ways. 
you're danged if you do, danged if you don't. But yeah. I mean, just fit the moment. Be appropriate yep. with what yep. you're singing. That's the point. Yeah, yeah. We've got some people at our church. We have we have one person that regularly bows on the floor during worship. Only ever encourages me. Only ever stirs my affections for Jesus. There's another woman who sometimes screams during worship very loud. Um, for me, sometimes it scares me a little bit because that catches me off guard. But I I love that she loves Jesus and wants to worship. It doesn't bother me. It does bother some people in our church. And I've had other people who told me that it used to bother them. And over the last couple of years, they've actually been challenged by the Lord that, that why don't I ever get so excited? I scream at football games, but I don't ever get so excited during worship. Yeah. I scream, Oh man, maybe actually I've got some misaligned affections. And so I don't know. I'm like, all right, Lord, you're using it. And so praise God for, for that woman in our church. And uh, she'll probably never see this, but she has, discipled people to think more deeply about their, their yeah. own worship. Uh, and she'll never know that, you know, she'll never know. And there are other people who are like, I don't like it at all. And I'm like, you know what? I don't like that. When I'm looking out from the stage, you're sipping on your coffee and you're not even participating during worship. So I'm yeah. just going to say it. I'm going to say it. I am a little fiery. I'll still say things yeah, like yeah. that. So, all right, we're, we're wrapping up. This was a fun conversation. Uh, Jared Wilson, if you want uh, to come on the podcast, <laughs> man, we would be so excited to have you. Uh, Jimmy and I will host you. We'll, uh, we will gladly welcome you on. We can talk about more of, we'll put, talk about our preacher they, well, pet peeves said, and bring said a preacher on. Their preacher pet peeves, so maybe yeah. we could help them. Yeah, we could, we'll just do a preacher pet peeve and they can do a we reaction can, yeah. to us. Uh, just kidding. That'd be amazing. That would be like my podcast dreams. Jared C. Wilson doing a reaction yeah. video to us. Okay, so uh, if this was, uh, hopefully this was was of some benefit to people watching. Uh, if you enjoyed this, uh, we'd appreciate if you liked the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Also, if you want to, if you're listening to a podcast app, if you want to give a five-star review, that'd be awesome. We're not interested in four, three, two, or one star. We just want those sweet, shiny five-star reviews. <clears throat> that would be great. Uh, and we'll we'll catch you in the next video or podcast, wherever you listen. We'll, we'll catch you soon. Thanks for, thanks for listening.